0: We've been in this series, Encounters with the Risen Jesus, and I'm going to follow on this morning in that series. You'll remember um, that uh, following Jesus' death, we we covered uh, that episode, that chapter, where the female disciples had rushed to the grave um, to anoint their friend Jesus and to anoint his body and perform the appropriate rituals upon his death to honor him. And then when they arrived, Um, Something remarkable had happened. The body had gone. And you remember that. I keep repeating it every week at the moment. The gospel of Mark ending in this dramatic way. Which is that uh, the women weren't celebrating at that moment. They weren't rejoicing. But they were actually, it says, bewildered. They were trembling and bewildered, and they fled because they were afraid. And then you remember that we moved on, and we had that um, encounter. We, we looked at that encounter with Mary Magdalene in the garden with the risen Jesus uh, when he first appeared, resurrected following his death. And we've been looking at that encounter, and she weeping with tears of grief and, and tears of bewilderment and tears of fear and, and a sense of uncertainty. You'll remember Um, She hears her name being spoken. Mary, the beginning of the new world was her name. Personal, intimate encounter with Jesus, standing alive in front of her, breathing, saying her name, present to her and comforting her. And it's this beautiful encounter, this beautiful moment. And it reminded us and reminds us this morning again that Jesus is so very close to each of us. There is this cosmic story, this massive story about God remaking this world in the Scriptures, but there is also just this story of an intimate encounter between one person and Jesus, and that is part of the story. And we see it here. Mary hears her name. Jesus comforts her, and He's present here. And you remember that He goes on; He directs her as well, and He says, "Do you not hold on to me." And uh, we realized that Mary, well, Mary didn't realize, in fact, that a new world had been, had been born, that there was, there was a whole new world in front of her, and she was behaving in the way that the old, the way she had in the old world, clinging to Jesus, and yet Jesus was standing having been into the bowels of the earth, having been through death and resurrected into this brand new world that we, that's our Christian hope that we believe is present and here with the resurrection of Jesus, what God has done in Christ. And Mary had not quite grasped that yet. And she was clinging to Jesus. And you remember he said, do not hold on to me, Mary. It was an invitation for her to move forward from the old world into the new Um, And so through these comforting words and through Jesus clearly directing her and her then seeing Jesus, she goes back to the disciples and says, I've seen the Lord. She takes that invitation up and she walks hand in hand with Jesus, so to speak, into this new world of possibilities. And it all begins with that powerful, intimate encounter. And I've been sort of drawing out some, I guess, something we can reflect upon in this story as it relates to us Um, particularly as it relates to us as we sort of re-enter this post-lockdown, post-COVID world, or as we try to process all of the kinds of emotions and feelings that we have, the kind of reintegrating into social life again, the the kind of fears that we've experienced over the last year, the anxieties perhaps that we've experienced, the disillusionment, the disappointment, the uncertainty. Maybe that's not been your experience, but I know for sure that it's been my experience at times, and for many of you it has been, I know, because I've heard you share it with me. And we're processing all of that and wondering what the future holds. And I, I felt that this passage has held so much for us, this encounter with Mary and with Jesus. But in the following chapter, that's John 20. If you move forward to John 21, we're drawn into another encounter with the risen Jesus. And I'd love to, us to hang out there this morning. It's an encounter between Jesus and another of his disciples who's maybe not holding on to the old world as such, but finds himself stuck in the old world, stuck in it because of things that have transpired, because of what has happened, what has taken place. So I want to spend a few minutes this morning reflecting upon the story of Simon Peter. Let me set the scene before we read the passage in John 21. Peter was this leader of this band of disciples, this band of co-conspirators with Christ. He was one of the three closest disciples to Jesus, along with the other disciples, and the women, and Mary Magdalene, and the whole lot of disciples, all of them following Jesus for three years, following their friend, and their rabbi, their master. And the one who they'd come to realize was the divine walking among them, Jesus. They'd been following him for three years and come to see that Jesus was in fact the Christ, the Messiah. The one that their people the, in Israel, the Jewish people, had been waiting for. The one in whom the prophets had spoken of who was coming to redeem and remake and reheal the world. And they'd experienced life on the road and they'd ate with Jesus and they'd traveled with Jesus and they'd, heard the, they'd seen the miracles and heard the teachings and the stories, the sermons. As I said, they'd eaten hundreds of meals together. They'd shared life together, shared their dreams of what the kingdom of God was going to be like. And at the beginning of that Passion Week that we know in the story we're part of, the beginning of Passion Week, Jesus enters through the gate into Jerusalem on a donkey and there's this sense that it's all going to be okay, that it's coming, that the kingdom is near. And Peter, along with the other disciples, would have been thinking, well, that's where it is. The Messiah homecoming is real, and it's here. Finally, finally, they will get, after three years of following Jesus, they will get to see this actually come to fruition. And here is Jesus in the center of the Jewish world in Jerusalem, come to overthrow the the rulers um, the powers of the empire that had come to occupy their land and and come to bring freedom to the Jewish people—that was the story that they had understood and that God had promised. Three years in the making, this holy takeover, this righteous rebellion that the prophets and teachers had spoken about, or so they thought, because what happened that week was a massive disappointment. It was a massive letdown. Jesus was betrayed and was arrested, was mocked by the crowds, even his own uh, people. He was called a blasphemer. He was tried in a kangaroo court with no defense, sentenced, beaten within an inch of his life, trailed outside the city, and subjected to a crucified death on behalf of the Roman Emperor, death row, as it were. And all the hopes of the kingdom of God that the disciples had carried for three years were over. Three years of following Jesus for what? In the midst of it all, Jesus' followers and friends, they just scattered. Some actually betrayed him. Some stood by him. Many were distraught. And then we have Peter standing around a charcoal fire on the night that Jesus was arrested the leader of this apparent uprising of God, finds himself being questioned by those sitting around the courtyard. And we know the story. I hope you know the story where where Simon Peter denies even knowing Jesus three times, just as Jesus had said he would. Here is Peter at his lowest point He had betrayed his best friend and Lord, his master. And in the days that followed, the dream was over. Or so they thought. Fast forward a week or two, and here we are in John chapter 21. And this is a special scripture. It's one of my favorite pieces of scripture. In the time between the charcoal fire where Peter betrays Jesus... And this new charcoal fire, which we're going to get to on the beach, Jesus had risen from the dead. He had begun appearing to Mary Magdalene in the garden. The dream did not seem to be over at all. In fact, the future seemed so uncertain, yes, but Jesus was alive. And in fact, he was, he was back present with his disciples. Imagine Peter's. Feelings, though, I reckon he was probably also feeling bewildered, trembling, afraid, ecstatic that Jesus had risen, confused, perhaps, what it meant, burdened by the weight of his own failure, the disappointment in himself, the disappointment in how it all had played out. And to come now face to face with Jesus, having that, having let him down, having, as Jesus predicted, could you imagine what he might be feeling in that moment? Could you imagine? There was a kind of disconnection from the one he traveled with for three years. There was a disconnection, a distance. And we're going to see Jesus bridge the distance. I'm sure there was only one thing on Jesus' mind in this passage we're about to read, to read now, and that was Peter. That was Peter helping Peter get unstuck from the old world so he can move forward into the new that he had for him. And so in John chapter 21, we see Jesus appearing to the disciples one morning on a beach, Interestingly, around a charcoal fire, and here is this intimate encounter, another intimate encounter with the risen Christ. Let's read it. Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This, he said, to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is a beautiful passage and there's an encounter at at the start of that chapter. I encourage you to read that chapter when you go home. And as I say, it's one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. Because following all that had happened, all that had been experienced by Simon Peter, the, there's some guilt there. There's some shame there. There's some disillusionment. There's, there's some disconnection. There's some distance. There's, there's, it's, just not, it's just not right. It's just not right. Yet, here we have Jesus meeting again in an intimate way with one of his disciples and speaking words of love and grace and encouragement and life and turning Peter's life around, leading him out of the old stuckness that he was in into the new world. This is the Peter that Jesus would build the church upon, the rock. And three times told by Jesus, feed my sheep and follow me, nearly echoing the three denials that Peter had given. One sentence at a time, Jesus restores Peter, builds him up, speaks life into his deadness, into the disconnection, bridges the distance. And it is a truly remarkable encounter. And we know as we say, Peter went on to be one of the most significant and important leaders in the early church. He, he oversaw the, the growth, the birth, the growth, the expansion of the church. The, the church that we know today, he was the pioneering leader at the very heart of that. And yet on this beach, around this particular charcoal fire, he was done. Yet we see Jesus walking with him reaching out to him, speaking life to him. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. Follow me. When I think of failure, when I think of disappointment, when I think of second chances, when I think of all of that stuff, I think of Peter, I think of this chapter. It means an awful lot to me. And when I think of words, when I think of, of words that can change someone's life around, I think of this story. I think of Jesus' words of life and encouragement to Peter on the beach. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Follow me. I don't really, uh, I don't really know what the emotions, what the experiences of everyone in this room and at home are and have been, whether it has been a sense of guilt or shame or a sense of apathy, a sense of just disappointment in ourselves or in others or even in the church or even in the Lord or whether there is fear, whether there are anxieties, whatever is operating there, whatever is keeping us stuck in the old world, the lie that comes from the enemy that says there is no hope, this story speaks something different. It is an invitation, no matter where you are today, no matter where I find myself, no matter where we find ourselves, that there is a second chance, that there is always a second chance, that there is always an invitation to step into life Not to relive the trauma, not to relive the past, not to get stuck in that, but to be free from it, to move forward. For some of us, that is a long process that needs professional help. For for many of us, that is the reality of life at a very basic level where we just get stuck in all sorts that the enemy speaks over us. And this story speaks hope. In fact, the Christian hope is that this is not the final word, but that things get better. That God in Christ is remaking this world piece by piece, even when we cannot see it, even when we think the dream is over. The Lord is putting together. Shalom, restoring shalom to this world, bringing healing to the brokenness. And one day, and I hope this speaks a sense of hope into our hearts this morning. One day, this project, this this project will be complete. This peace, this reign of Christ will reign fully throughout the whole earth. But life can be difficult and tricky, and we have to navigate it, and this is why this story is so important this morning to me, and I hope it is an encouragement to you because it's an invitation. No matter what it is that we find ourselves stuck in, maybe it's not you this morning, but I have a real sense that this is for someone today, and that's why I wanted to share it and speak it and teach it today. No matter what it is that keeps us stuck or keeps us... In the past, there is always hope. There is always a fresh invitation to step forward again in the kingdom of God, to step into God's good future for you. There is hope for you, for your circumstances, for what you're dealing with, for what you're going through. There is hope and there will be restoration. And in the end, full restoration and peace. I believe it's into the kind of situation like this that we as the church too, as little Jesus, as little disciples, can also follow Jesus' example by speaking words of life into others, by speaking words of hope into others, by reaching out and helping people move forward out of their stuckness, out of whatever it is. We don't even need to know what it is. Whatever it is, invite them into the... the, Invite them into the life that Christ has promised us. Here is what the end of John chapter 20 says in the NIV version. It says that Jesus performed, this was just after the Mary Magdalene story, it says Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples which were not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, And that by believing, you may have life in his name. That phrase is just so powerful. Let me just read that again. These things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. There is life in the name of Jesus. For the disciple of Jesus, for the one who follows Jesus, there is life. There is lifelong friendship with Jesus. There is uninterrupted friendship and connection with Jesus when we are in Christ. No matter where we find ourselves, Christ is always alongside us, inviting us to step forward again, to trust him to follow him to lean on him to look to him to hold on to him in a sense he's always inviting us and he's speaking grace over all of us and i need his grace and i know you do too we need the grace of jesus this morning and so it's with that i hope it speaks hope to you today life to you today that Jesus has not finished with us, but he in fact, no matter where we find ourselves, whether it's just a sense of apathy, whether there's other bigger stuff that's going on in our lives, no matter what it might be, maybe we're in a good spot, but we need the grace of the Lord to walk forward, and he has so much for us. So I would love to invite us as a church and you guys at home as well to come to the table of grace today and to taste of the bread and the wine, knowing that the presence of Christ is here and is for us and that from communion with Christ that we might have life in his name, amen. Amen, I'd love to invite you to stand. I'd love to invite Hannah and Connor to, to come I'd love us to take communion today and this morning I'd love us to do it a little bit differently in a sense than what we've been doing it recently. I've set out the bread and the wine at the front. The bread is on this side and it's gluten-free bread. The wine is on that side and it's in fact non-alcoholic. And I'd love to invite us throughout the duration of this song that Hannah and Connor lead us in this morning, the three or four minutes of the song, to come up uh, we're going to maintain social distance, so you can manage that yourselves. I'm sure you, I can trust you guys to do that. But come up and take a little, a little glass with the, um, with the bread in it and a little one with the wine in it, and then you can return to your seat. There's a hand sanitizer here too if you want to do that, but I'd love you to come up throughout the duration of this song, grab one wine and a, and a, and a bread and a wine and return to your seat. And when we finish the song, I want to lead us as a whole church all of us in this room and those online this morning through our liturgy um, around the table of grace we invite the presence of God to meet us in that moment so I'm going to ask Han and Connor to lead us and as I say begin to make your way up maybe we'll start on this side maybe row by row maybe that's the best way to do it so maybe Chloe and Carl you guys can lead the way Um, and uh, and let's gather around the table of grace today knowing that this is a fresh invitation again Despite whatever that might hold us back today, that Jesus said, No, no, come, follow me. Come, follow me. I love you. Come, follow me. There's grace for you today. Let's go.